Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the gifts of your word. For your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And your word is strength for my life. May the power of the Holy Spirit take charge of the words that come from my mouth. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you all know, we are dealing with the 30 life principles from Charles, Dr. Charles Stanley. And I tell you, this book is really something. It's showing me as a it's a lot that is showing me about life's principles. And um, I'm before you because we're now headed to life principle number five. And I looked at that. I was like, okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And it's, it's life principle number five says, God does not require us to understand his will. Just obey it. Even if it sounds unreasonable. I was like, whoa, yeah, that's true. Because I've been there where there's some, some unreasonable things that I thought, but that was my thinking. So, okay. How many times in our lives have we planned things and they didn't go the way we planned? I can raise my hand. Is there a reason our plans did not turn out the way we wanted them to? Of course there is. Everything in our lives was already set in motion by God from the very beginning, from the foundation of the earth. Although we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, that did not stop the plans that God had for us. Amen. Here's the scriptures that I want you to um, go to, and that's uh, Proverbs 16 and 9. Page 753, Joshua 3, verses 2 to 5, page 257. And this is in the voice. In the voice. Joshua 3, 14 through 17, pages 6, 257 and 258. Joshua 6, 1 through 6, 259 and 260. I think I have some others, but that'll be in the end for you. Yeah, that's, that's it for now. Okay. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, and I'm going to read from the Amplified. I like the way it said it. It says, a man plans his way as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. We can plan, and there's nothing wrong with planning. We can make plans. But God is the one who would determine the outcome. Amen? Your plans may not be what his plans are for you. Right? Sometimes in our haste to make things happen the way we want them to happen, we get distracted, and this makes us lean to our own understanding, and that only causes us what? Frustration and grief. 
been there, done that, can write a book on it. Now we're going to look at the book of Joshua because we're going to see how God had laid out plans for the Israelites and it was definitely for their good. Amen? Joshua 3, 2-5 says, Three days later, the leaders went through the camp and gave the Israelites their marching orders. Tomorrow, you will know it is time to go when you see the Levite priest carrying the covenant chest of the Eternal One, which is the Ark of the Covenant, the Eternal One, your God. Follow the chest so that you will know where you're supposed to go because you have not been this way before. Now you have to stay about a mile away from it. Don't come any nearer than that as you march. Do all the ritual purifications and prepare yourselves because tomorrow the eternal will show you wonders. Now, in chapter 3, Joshua, he's leading the Israelites and they have left a place called Shittim and have traveled to the eastern bank of the Jordan River to set up camp there before they would get ready to cross. Three days later, their leaders came and gave the people their instructions, and they were explicit instructions. You had to follow them to the letter so that they would know what to look for as they were making their way towards the Jordan River. As they were traveling, they had to be very careful about their distance between the Ark of the Covenant and themselves. And when I was reading that, I remember something else. And I forget where it is in the Bible, but I think David had the Ark of the Covenant, and it was his friend. Something was going on with that Ark of the Covenant. I think the balance was off. And David's friend, I forget his name, but somebody can help me with that. He went to balance the Ark, and he was struck dead just like that. And to me, I was like, well, why? What happened? What, why? He wasn't supposed to touch the Ark. It was just not. It was not. God, God, I guess God would have took care of it. He was not supposed to touch that ark. And I think David even was very upset, but he was not supposed to touch it. It was a strict order by God. He was struck dead. Wow. Now, <clears throat> the leaders, the, no, sorry. Okay, the leaders tell the people that they need to watch where the ark goes because they're in unfamiliar territory and they need God's guidance. No one was to act as if they needed to go before the Lord and guide him. They all needed to follow the Lord. They all needed to keep their distance from the ark of the covenant. Now, what was so beautiful here, there was no griping and grumbling in the camp. Everyone did what they were supposed to do. Then Joshua told the people, sanctify yourselves, set yourselves apart for God. And be prepared because he's going to do something wonderful for you the next day. And you know, the Lord did something wonderful them the next day. He stopped the waters of the River Jordan. And the people crossed over in the water with safety. Their obedience allowed God's plan for them to cross over the Jordan to be fulfilled. The priests who had the Ark of the Covenant, all they did was have their feet touch the river's edge and the water stopped immediately separated, and the Israelites were going across dry land. What an awesome miracle. But guess what? They were obedient. They did everything down to the letter. Nothing was out of place. They did it all. They did everything they were instructed to do. 
And that's what we have to do. We have to do what God instructs us to do to the letter. But God gives you, he gives you explicit instructions when he gives them. And we have to listen to them. So, <clears throat> Joshua 3, 14 through 17. And that's page 257 and 258. So the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the covenant chest before them. Now it says, during harvest time, the Jordan is swollen, running over its banks. But when the priest stepped on that river's edge, the water stopped, piling upstream at the city of Adam near Zarathan, while the water flowing downstream toward the Sea of Araba, the Dead Sea ran out. Then the Israelites crossed the Jordan opposite the city of Jericho, walking on dry land, just as Moses had led their ancestors from Egypt. While the Israelites crossed on the dry riverbed, the priests who carried the covenant chest firmly in the middle of the Jordan until the Israelites had crossed over. Amen? Now, it says here, that. The Jordan normally had many fording places, but this episode takes place during the grain harvest when the spring rains and the melting snow from Mount Hermon would have flooded the Jordan's banks, making it completely impassable. Also, enemies and beasts such as vipers, scorpions, crocodiles, panthers, they could hide in the overgrown brush along the bank. So you know, when God separated that, whoever was in that, they, they were separated as well. So he made it a passage for them. He made it a safe passage for them. Amen? Now, I was reading it, and Dr. Stanley asked this question. He said, what do you think would have happened if the Israelites had not obeyed God? And I said, well, it would have been back in exile again. But disobedience, I said, that was my, you know, I said, well, that's what I think they would. I don't know how many years it would have been again, but here we go back to exile because you're not listening to the Lord. But praise God, they did. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Now we're going to move on to Joshua six because this talks about the wall of Jericho and God's plan to bring it down. And when you see what the plan is, it does seem out of you're like, what is this what they're going to do? But you know, God's plans are not ours. And his plans are much, much, much higher than ours. So, <clears throat> we're going to read Joshua 6, 1 through 6, 259 and 260. Now, the citizens of Jericho had barricaded themselves behind its walls because of the Israelite forces. No one could get in or out. Now, this is what God is telling them. He says to Joshua, I have given Jericho its kings and all its soldiers into your hands. This is God telling him this. While the, it's barricaded, right? But he's telling Joshua this. Now, he says, every day for the next six days, you will march once around the city walls with all your fighting force. Seven priests will go in front of the covenant chest, each carrying a trumpet made from a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you will march around the city walls seven times, and the priests will blow their trumpets. Now, when they play 
a long final blast, then all the people will give a mighty shout. The city walls will collapse in front of you, and all the Israelites will charge in and take the city. So Joshua, the son of Nun, summoned the priests and instructed them. Here we go again. Instructions again. Okay. Jericho itself was on full alert. From a human perspective, this would be hard, if not impossible, for a battle to take place. Yet from God's perspective, the battle was already over. Because he said to Joshua, I have, in the past tense, given Jericho into your hand. Wow. That's something. Jericho was not an exceptionally large city, but it was an important, challenging fortress of a city. If Israel could defeat Jericho, they could defeat any other enemy facing them in Canaan. Here we see the wisdom of God as opposed to human wisdom. In that, Israel faces their most difficult opponent yet. The method of warfare is something that made absolutely no sense according to military strategy. It requires total dependence on God. Just like we, we gotta have total, because you know, in our mind, we can't, we just can't see. We cannot see what God can see before us. He sees the total picture, the whole picture. He knows the beginning, he knows the end. So, you know, we can't even, our minds, our minutes or can't even fathom what God can do for us, okay? Now, it required great faith from Joshua because he had to explain and lead the nation in this plan. And it also required faith from the elders in the nation because they had to follow Joshua, you know? And sometimes when people are giving you things to do and you're looking at them, you're like, mm, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. And you know, you really have to have faith in God and faith in that person. You know, because sometimes you'd be like, you know, God, it's not making sense. And then the Holy Spirit will come and tell you, it will just follow the plan. Amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> it was a plan for victory whereby it would clearly be the work of the Lord. Yet God gave them something to do so that Israel could work in partnership with him. Amen. Joshua had to tell the priests because what they were asked to do was very unusual at that time. Because at that time, the priests, it was not customary for the priests and the Ark of the Covenant to go in battle with Israel. Not at that time. That was just not the custom. The Ark would be prominent in this victory even as it was in the crossing of the Jordan River. Israel had to keep their hearts and minds on the Lord who was present with them instead of putting their hearts and minds on the difficulty of the task ahead. And sometimes don't we do that? We worry about the circumstances before we even do it, you know, before we even do anything about it. We, you know, just, you know, follow what you're supposed to do and everything will fall into place, especially when it's ordered by God. You can't worry about something you can't do anything about. Amen. Joshua had... <clears throat> Joshua had to tell the people because what they were asked to do was unusual as well. This was no customary way to conquer a walled, fortified city. Joshua does not hesitate to do what the Lord has told him to do. You see that? He didn't hesitate. We can't hesitate. Well, Lord, I, 
Are you telling me? Just like when he told me to help uh, share, I didn't hesitate. I knew in my heart that's what he was telling me to do. And, and, I, and I'm so thankful that I listened. And I'm thankful that God is getting me to that mode to listen to him. Even when things are not going the way I think they should, I just settle myself down and I say, okay, Lord, work on me. Work on me because he knows how my anger, he knows I can get angry. He knows how I'm feeling at that point in time. And I need him to speak to my heart because I need to know what to do next, especially being where I am in customer service. Sometimes I don't have the answer, y'all. I put them on hold. I say, okay, Lord, please help me. And he'll, my mind, he'll get my mind to stirring. And I was like, thank you. I forgot about that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Or he'll put people in place for me that I can call on and say, such as, oh, I can do that. I can help you. And I'm just so grateful for that. I thank God for that. It took courage for Israel to do this. Israel was wide open to attack during this time. And it would have been easy for the people of Jericho to attack them from the high positions of walls. It was a test of their endurance. The march was for six days, and they had to persist in something that didn't make much sense to them. This march took place over a period of seven days. And Israel could see that this would be a work of God's sovereignty his grace, and his power, and nothing of human work. The command was given for the people to shout after the days of silence. This came as a recognition that God would now give them what he had promised. The Lord has given you the city. They took the city. Israel received after God had given. It was clear God gave. And Israel received by being obedient and having persistent faith. And that's what it takes for us. Uh, obedience, obedience. Persistent faith. Persistent. Trusting God. Because we can't trust in ourselves. We can't trust in others. But we can put our trust in God. He told us to trust in him. He told us not to look to our own understanding. But to trust in him. Give it to him. He told us that. Put all our trust in him. That's what God is telling us today. We know what's going on out here, but we got to trust that God knows better. He sees everything that's going on. He knows what's going on out here. We don't have to tell him anything, but we can take our petitions to him. Yes, we can, but we got to trust him. We got to trust him with every being of our life. Trust and obey. That's the only way to be happy in Jesus. And everything is not going to turn out like you think it should, but it's turning out for our good because that's how God has set it up to be. It's not up to us. It's up to God. So we can make our plans, but we've got to allow God to have the eraser because he's, he's going to say, nope, not right now. This is what I want you to do. You can do it again. Nope, not right now. This is what I want you to do. He's done that to me many, many times. Even on my job, I wanted to change jobs. Nope, not right now. I kept going for other jobs. Nope, not right now. And then this one that I thought I wanted, I was able to talk to the person, and then God helped me have the wisdom to see, you're not going to anywhere better. Stay right where you are. And he has had me there. He's had me there for 27 years. 
And I used to wonder why, but I found out. I found out why. God was there for a reason, to help others. That's why I was there. And that's why I'm still there until I leave. So God is good, y'all. And we just have to learn how to trust. Because it's not easy. It's not, especially when we think things should be a certain way. But I'm learning more and more. God knows better than I do. So I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. He knows that even when I'm having trouble, even at home, I said, Lord, you know what? You know better. I, 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 I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm no, no longer going to try to solve it. You are the problem solver for me. And I just thank him for that. I do. I thank him that he's drawing me close. I thank him for this book of the 30 principles of reading and learning more and more how to be obedient, how to put my trust in him, how to put my faith in him and not waver and keep it there. No matter what my circumstances are. Hasn't he got me through everything already? Is he going to leave me? He hasn't left me yet. Amen? So I thank God. Fathers, once again, we come with adoration and praise. For you are so worthy of it all. We thank you for your word that helps us to understand what it means to walk in obedience to your will. Father, help us to continue to stay on the course of being persistent in our faith and trust. Help us not to lose sight of who you are and what you are to us. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to lead, guide, rest, rule, and abide in us. Give us victory over every obstacle that tries to stop us from pleasing you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are we going to